How many of you have ever taken a selfie? Seriously, how many of you have ever taken a selfie? How many, you know, what, what's funny about a selfie is you're always in it. There might be a beautiful museum or a gorgeous landscape of a mountain, a waterfall, maybe a football game, and you. You notice that? Hmm. Well, I want to introduce you to a city who likes to take selfies. Have I got your attention so far? It's to the city in Revelation of Laodicea. It's in chapter 3. Jesus addresses to John seven churches. The first six, he gives a little bit of commendation to. Not Laodicea. It's pretty harsh. It's to the point. Basically, Jesus tells us like it is. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14, it starts there. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And look what he says in verse 15. Jesus says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. How many of you have that verse spit you on your refrigerator at home? Not all warm and fuzzy from Jesus, is it? Are these words just random words that Jesus kind of made up? You're neither hot nor you're lukewarm. How many of you know Jesus doesn't make things up? He's not a random guy. The city of Laodicea had a problem. They had no water. There was a city, Hierapolis, by the way, Laodicea is now in Turkey, but a few miles north was a city of Hierapolis. They were known for their hot springs. How many of you have ever been to Hot Springs, Arkansas? Michelle and I uh, had the opportunity uh, a couple months ago to go to uh, Northern California with our oldest daughter and, her, and our son-in-law. And uh, we're in Yosemite Valley. And then we stay there a few days and we go east in the Sierra Nevadas. And we're in the foothills. And they're hot springs in the middle of nowhere. Heropolis was known for their hot springs. People all over Asia Minor flocked to this city because of the medicinal value of them. So we have the hot springs. A few miles east is the city of Coloss. They enjoyed every year when the snows melted, cool, crisp water. Have you ever had good, clean, clear, cold, chilling water, maybe in a river? 
I think the best water on the planet is at Mike and Dottie's in Guatemala. They have two wells. It comes out cold. And it is so refreshing. How many of you enjoy a good, clean, clear, chilled glass of water? So Laodicea said, hey, we'll take advantage of both. We'll build aqueducts. Let them flow directly to us. But the problem is, when the warm springs met the cold rivers, the water became very tepid, nasty. Ever drank a bottle of water that's been in your car in the heat of summer that's been in there a few hours and it's nasty? That's the way this water was. So Jesus says, basically, I know your deeds. Your relationship to me is just like the quality of your water. It's lukewarm. It doesn't taste good. And so he addresses this city and says, I know your deeds. Laodicea also had three things working in their favor. They were the banking capital of this region. They were a very wealthy city. They had it going on. Merchants, businesses were flourishing. They were also known as a, uh, a hospital. They had uh, an eye salve that some folks had developed that people were coming to to receive because of eye problems. And they also had uh, wool. It was a black-colored wool for clothing. And so we read on in verses 17. Jesus says, and he addresses every one of these three things, the wealth, the eye salve, and the clothing. He says, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth, number one. And what does he say? And you don't need anything. But you do not realize that you're wretched, you're pitiful, you're poor, dealing with the wealth, you're blind, the eye salve, and you're naked. You don't have anything to put on. So he goes there with them. He hit on every one of these prominent factors in this city's life. Why did he address it? I think they were a selfie city. I call them selfie Christianity. Amen? They were self-absorbed. They, they pursued their own interests. They were self-reliant. They served God to be recognized. They were choosing wrong priorities. They were self-sufficient. They got by with natural abilities. Look what we've built. We've got the hot water. We've got the cold water. You know what the name Laodicea means? It's two words. It means people decide. Hmm, isn't that interesting? I'd like to read to you a story. My name is Suzanne, and this is my story. It was a cold January morning, and I realized I was out of coffee. Frantically searching every cupboard, resulting in no coffee beans. How did I let myself get to this point? 
I made a quick plan. Get dressed, drive to the local coffee shop, pick up some beans in the drive-thru, come home and begin my day as I always do in isolation. I'm a freelance editor and work from home and have made a very good living doing it. My office for the last 12 years has been my large sofa. Pajamas, a t-shirt, and socks are my work clothes. Articles and books are sent via email requiring a lot of alone time reading and editing. There are no lunches with coworkers, no water cooler conversations, no meetings to attend, no annual employee evaluations to endure, and no one to keep tabs on me. It's just me, my sofa, and a cup of coffee. I've grown quite fond of this life. I arrive at the coffee shop and the drive through is down. Ugh. I had to go inside and deal with people. I'm at the counter buying beans and a loud eruption of laughter comes from a table of five women. It startled me. I look in their direction to find each one with a Bible, a notepad, and a cup of coffee. Curiosity produced a question to the person behind the counter. Who are these women? Oh, they're having a Bible study. They meet every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. I had to find out how many of these women were fake. So I asked the young cashier to give me a cup of coffee to go. The creamer and sugar station would provide the best vantage point to determine who was fake. I can identify fake people, especially fake Christians, within a matter of seconds. Would it be one, two, or all five that make the fake list? The reason I can spot the fakes is I spent my childhood and young adult life amongst fake people. My parents were at the top of the list, one way at church and another way at home. Confusing to a teenager, to say the least. I survived three years of marriage only to find out my husband lived another life away from our home. I became the most isolated, depleted, alone person on the planet after the divorce. People were not part of my world. I didn't need anybody. As I'm walking out of the coffee shop, one of the ladies looked over at me and smiled. I was waiting for that fake hypocritical look from this church lady. I was stunned. No fake look detected. On the way home, I made it my obsession to remind myself to go back to the coffee shop the following Tuesday. Surely one of the other ladies has to be fake. I was in private detective mode. All week I conspired different ways to not be so obvious. Tuesday arrived. I walk in and there they are. They're talking, they're smiling, and they're laughing. With a cup of coffee in hand, I trolled the wall shelving looking at pretty mugs, coffee beans, and coffee gadgets, listening intently. And the thought came to me, this is ridiculous. I'm a grown woman being Sherlock Holmes stalking five women. Before I could think another thought, one of the ladies stood up and walked right by me saying, good morning, in a non-fake way. 
All I could think was, don't blow my cover, don't blow my cover, don't blow my cover. Right at that moment, another lady walked near me on her way to the counter, only to say, hi, my name is Beth. I remember you from last week. How are you? Small talk quickly gave way to large talk. I was nervous and scared. At that moment, I had a feeling that they were calling the police on me for stalking them. I did everything I could to exit the building. However, another lady stood up and stepped into my path and said, Hi there, would you like to join us? Before I could answer, they grabbed an empty chair and escorted me to their area. It totally caught me off guard. I was really nervous at this point, as evident by the sweat on my hands. But then I noticed something. They closed their Bibles and their notepads. They started to ask me questions. Feeling like I was being interviewed for a job, soon transitioned to something that I had never experienced in my 38 years of life. I felt tremendous love from these ladies. Within one hour, I knew their stories and they knew mine. Talking about my life was always uncomfortable until this day. These ladies were real. No judgment, no criticism. I felt true friendship love for the very first time. This unconditional love changed my perspective on life. They offered something that my parents could not give, and I surely accepted it. I also accepted an invitation to meet them the following week. For this, I've got everything I need. I don't need anybody, woman. I couldn't wait until the next Tuesday rolled around. I was the first one to arrive. I was so giddy like it was the first day of school. After meeting with these ladies for three weeks, isolation walls came down and my trust in people elevated. There was something so different about these ladies. Their encouragement, their kind words, and their sincere acceptance were simply amazing. Their faces told the story. Nothing but pure joy was expressed. It was in this third meeting that Beth told me something that made a big impact. She said, Suzanne, every meeting you tell us how grateful you are to have us in your life and how much you need us. Suzanne, it's just the opposite. We need you. You are such a genuine human being and you encourage us. A double wow, I wasn't expecting that. Within six weeks, I was attending their church, getting to know more people that were not fake. Beth took me under her wing and began mentoring me. I soon joined the welcoming committee. Isn't it funny how God works? As a member of the welcoming committee, 
I wasn't looking for the fake people anymore. I was looking for women who looked isolated and alone and were saying, I don't need anybody so that I could offer hope to them. Breaking that awkwardness became my mission on Sundays. I used the same love approach that Beth and the ladies used on me. You see, many live a private, withdrawn life to the day of death. I was heading in that direction if it had not been for these ladies. Deep down inside, people desire others in their life but just don't know how to pull the mask off. If not corrected, people live life as an orphan. You know, Suzanne is absolutely right, isn't she? Many Christians find themselves in this predicament, living a life of selfie Christianity. Just like the Laodiceans, they become lukewarm. They're neither hot nor cold. They become self-reliant, self-absorbed, self-sufficient. I don't need anybody. I've got the wealth. I've got the medical. I've got the clothing. I don't need anyone in my life. But let me tell you, being self-absorbed, self-sufficient, self-reliant leads to self-destruction. And let me tell you, that state of self-destruction is an unhealthy state to be in. The Laodiceans were unhealthy spiritually. And look what Jesus tells them. In verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I'm not going anywhere. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I have overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is saying to the people of Laodicea, the, the people who said, I, I'm good. I, I, I don't need anybody. Jesus says, I'm here at the door. What does selfie Christianity look like? Do you pursue your own interests 24-7? Do you serve God to be recognized? Do you find yourself choosing wrong priorities? Do you withdraw to a place of safety and stay there for hours on end? Do you feel empty and alone? Do you get by with natural abilities and talents? Do you find yourself living isolated saying, I don't need anybody in my life. Don't come near me. Do you find yourself just attending church? Oh, we got real quiet. But nothing more. Not involved, don't attend a life group, or even pursue getting to know others. Do you find it difficult to make further connections with the family of God because you were hurt by a Christian? Do you blame others or past experiences for your aloneness? Do you make it a priority to avoid people? Is your relationship with God non-existent? There is good news. 
we can break this isolated, I don't need anybody, Laodicean stronghold of selfie Christianity. Amen? We fail people when all we do is say, oh, you, you feel alone? Uh, go sign up for a life group. I've done that so many times. I think there's another key, there's another avenue that we can help people because a lot of people aren't going to go sign up. They aren't going to go seek out others until something happens in them. Tonight I want to give you the one key. Everybody say one. One key to getting rid of selfie Christianity, to breaking the stronghold. It's simply this. Unforget what you've forgotten. That's what I said when God gave me this this morning. Is unforget a word? I looked it up. God, I'm not doubting you, but it is a word. Okay, God, you know what you're wanting to say to your people tonight. Unforget what you've forgotten. The reason Christians fall prey to this stronghold and isolation, I don't need anybody, is that they've forgotten some things. And we just simply need to unforget. We need to remember what we've forgotten. Amen. Number one, maybe you've forgotten that the entire Bible is the story of God building a family. God's purpose with us is to build a family of believers who love him, who honor him, and who want to glorify him forever. Hebrews 2.10 says this, God is the one who made all things and all things for his glory. He wanted to have many children share his glory. So he made the one who leads people to salvation perfect through suffering. We see right here that God said, I want some children. I want them to share my glory. I want them to put it out there, to broadcast it, and not to be a private, selfie Christian. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Adopting us was the plan all along. God didn't say, I'm going to keep everything to myself and hold everything back. All the blessings, nope, I'm keeping them. All the abundance, nope, it's mine. Brian, can't have it, buddy. Jed, nah, can't have it, buddy. It's not yours. It's all mine. Mine, my, no, what did God do? He adopted us into his own family. How many of you know that his mission is not to keep us from a victorious life? Scripture says that God is relational. Father, son. That's descriptive right there, right? It's describing a family, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When we place our faith in Christ, God becomes our Father. We become His children. You've got a lot of brothers and sisters. 
and some grandmas and some grandpas and some cousins, some Uncle T's. There's a lady in church. She's not here tonight, so I can say this without getting in trouble. I call her my grandma. And she's only maybe 15 years older than me. Why do I call her grandma? And she calls me her grandson. I think I'm going to be in her will. Years ago, a um, long time ago in our school, she would come in the afternoon and rock the four-year-olds who stayed. It's called aftercare. Their, their day ended at noon, but sometimes mom and dad couldn't get here till three to pick them up. And so we had after-school care. And she would rock those little babies. Back and forth, back and forth. And one day I was, I was on staff. I was walking down the hallway and I peered in through the door and there she was. She was in her element. I think if I would have tried to have taken those babies from her, from her, she would have tackled me and beat me up. And so one day, a few days later, I see her in the hallway and I said, hi, grandma. And, what? I said, you're such a grandma to these little children. I wasn't being disrespective of her age, but she just looked the part. And since then, she's grandma and I'm her grandson. And y'all can't change that. We have people, brothers and sisters, Different ages, different races, different backgrounds, all in God's family. Our families on earth are wonderful gifts from God, but sometimes they are a dysfunctional mess. But that is not true in the spiritual family of God. There is no dysfunction in God's kingdom. He loves all of us equal and dispenses all of his giftings to each one of us in equal measure. And he is no respecter of persons. What he'll do for one, he'll do for the other. Amen. I didn't lost my place. That's all right. The moment you were spiritually born into God's kingdom, get this, you were given some birthday gifts, family name, family likeness, family privileges, and family inheritance. Amen? So have you forgotten that being part of God's family is indeed the greatest privilege you will ever receive? Number two, maybe you forgot you are called to belong, not just believe. Ephesians 2.19 says this, Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Do you know that every time the word church is used in our Bible, in the New Testament, it, it refers to the local congregation, the local body of believers? 
And this is where it, it becomes a lab of where we learn how to love and we learn how to forgive and we learn how to work together. It's the classroom where we experience life together, amen? We share our hurts. And it's where people weren't supposed to judge. The Bible says we were put together, we were built together, we're members together, we're heirs together, we're fitted together, we're held together, and we're going to be caught up together, amen? No one is a stepchild in God's kingdom, and you can tweak that. God gave me that about 20 minutes before I walked down here. I was like, ooh, I got to include that. No one is a stepchild in God's kingdom. You belong in his kingdom, amen? But maybe you've forgotten that because you don't know how I was raised. Doesn't matter to me because I know this. In Psalm 2710, it says, if my father and mother leave me, the Lord will take me in. It doesn't matter how you were raised or your lack of love or whatever that happened to you in your life. The Lord is going to take you in and you're going to belong in his family. You may have been shunned from your family. You may have no connection to your family. That's okay. You've got a spiritual family. There's a permanent bond. There's no dysfunctional mess in God's house. Amen. In 1 Samuel 12, 22, it says this, For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. We need to unforget what we've forgotten, and that is we belong in God's family. You are not a rejected stepchild. You were planned, you were conceived by the God Almighty. No matter if your parents didn't want you, God wanted you. And he knows every head of hair, whether you got some or not, that's on the top of your head. Number three, maybe you forgot, while your relationship with Christ is personal, God never intends it to be private. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says this, two are better than one. How many, how many of you know two is better than one? If you're married, you need to tell your spouse that right now. Two is better than one. Because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But the, but pity the, pity the fool. How many of you remember that? I pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Like Beth told Suzanne, we need you. Do you know that you and I have core needs? We just went through that with uh, Dudley. We've got core needs that need to be met. And you, you just need to know something. You, you can't meet them. You're not that good. You need acceptance. You need affirmation. You need love. You need safety. You need significance, purpose, and understanding. And Facebook can't do it for you. Medication can't meet them either. If you don't get your core needs met, like Suzanne said, you're going to become a spiritual orphan like the Laodiceans. Notice that Paul writes letters to people, not a person. Galatians, Thessalonians, Ephesians. Amen? 
He didn't write them to a specific individual. He wrote them to a body of believers. Because he knew he had to meet some needs. Proverbs 18.1 says this, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. We need to unforget that our spiritual journey is not to become a private journey. It's supposed to be shared with people. Amen. And finally, number four, maybe you forgot that your name is written down. The moment you said yes to Jesus, somebody in heaven wrote your name down on the Lamb's book of life. And maybe you have forgotten that. Sometimes driving on Ambassador Caffrey can get your mind off of everything. The next time somebody honks at you, say, my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus Christ was brutally beaten on your behalf so that your name could be written down. Not because God is a forgetter. He just wants to see. He wants that, that permanent record. Jesus was tortured beyond recognition for both you and me. And we can't forget that ever. God is into writing your name down, not because, again, he's going to forget it, but he wants to have a physical record of it. How do we know that? Luke 10, 20 says, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you or submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In Revelation, it says, he who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. God loves names. And I can prove it to you. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, look at this. The descendants of Judah, Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Reah, son of Shabal, was the father of Jehath, and Jehath, the father of that guy, and Lahad. There were clans of Zaharathites and Anbites, and these were the sons of Edom, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash. Their sister was named Hezalaponi. Panul was the father of Gedor, and Ezer, the father of Hushash. These were the descendants of her, the firstborn of Ephrath, and the father of Bethlehem. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Nara. Nara bore him Ahuzam. Ahuzam, Ahuzam, who? Ahuzam, Hefer and Tamana and Hashatatari and these were the descendants of Naph. I'm out of gas. These were the sons of Hela, Zerath, Zor, Ethnon, and Cuz, my cousin, who was the father of Nahab and Hazababua and the clans of and Haram. God loves names. It's time to go home. I'm tired. He 
loves your name because it is written in the Lamb's book of life and no one can take that away from him or you. Amen. In order to break the stronghold of selfish Christianity, we have to unforget what we've forgotten. We've got to remember that the Bible is a story of God building a family. It's us not just believing, but it's belonging. It's understanding that your, your spiritual journey is not private to myself. I don't need anybody Laodicean approach. And we need to remember of what Jesus Christ did for us. Shall I show you the movie, The Passion? The danger of not remembering. Galatians 3, 9 and 10, and we're going to close here. So those now who live by faith are blessed along with Abraham who lived by faith. This is no new doctrine. And that means that anyone who tries to live by his own effort, independent of God, is doomed to failure. Suzanne concludes her story with, I had no idea of the destructive nature of my independence. I was surviving on a daily dose of private routine. I had digressed to thinking being cut off from God and the world was the best option for me. But God had other plans. A smile comes upon me every morning. I reach for the coffee beans. I'm so thankful I ran out of beans on that January morning. And I'm thankful I am a part of God's enormous and joy-filled family. Imagine. It all started because of an outburst of laughter. Every Tuesday morning, I hear the laughter. It's a symphony to my soul with the ladies that attend my Bible study at the coffee shop. An empty seat, which we have named Sherlock Holmes, is set out in anticipation to extend an invitation to the next Suzanne who dreams of laughter. Do you need to hear the laughter? Love, Suzanne. Let's not become the Laodicean church and say, I, I don't need anybody in my life. I'm good. I just come to church. I, I do my thing. I give my tithe and that's it. And I'm out of here. I think there's some in here. Well, let, let me back up. I fought God this morning on this message. So I'm, I'm not... No, I'm not talking about hot water and cold water and Laodicea and Revelations. And I'm trying in my mind to go into a different path. And God kept pulling me back. 
at Starbucks. And I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to talk about, you know, there's something better. Faith, love, something, you know. He said, no, there are people who need to hear the laughter. And I'm like, what? And so I'm trolling the internet and, you know, trying to get something, you know, Laodicean. And all of a sudden this story pops up and I'm reading about her at the coffee shop. I'm going, I'm at a coffee shop. And I look up and there's coffee beans. (laughs) There's coffee gadgets and coffee mugs. There's even a, 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 a Starbucks rep who is talking to the manager about rearranging this shelf. And I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm stalking this store like Suzanne. And at that moment, I said, I, I, okay, Lord, I, I, I give up. This is what you, your people need to hear. You see, God does not want us to live a self-absorbed, self-reliant, Laodicean, I got it all, I don't need anybody. And look, life groups are part of the solution. Getting to meet other people is part of the solution. But there has to be a mind change, there has to be a mindset change that you belong in this house, you belong here, you're accepted here. God wants you to be part of the fellowship and not just be a lone ranger. I could probably go right now and, and, and grab 50 of these and hand them out and say, John Life, John Life, you got to no. know. There has to be that one key of unforgetting what we've forgotten. Amen. Would y'all agree with that? Doing life together, when one falls, there's somebody there to help out. How many of you have already experienced that attending a church, whether it be family life? Let me, let me see your hands. If you've experienced something in the way of a brother or a sister coming to your aid, when you're down, maybe you're grieving, you lost a loved one, or, or maybe you're just emotional, f- physically, you're, you're, you're tired, and, and somebody has come to pick you up. Can I just encourage you to just unforget what we've forgotten? Amen. And move away from that Laodicean mindset and attitude and saying, you know what? I need all that God has for me in this family of believers. And so don't remain stagnant. Get to know some people. Once you've unforgetted, I don't even know if that's a word. Once you've done that, then it's time to take the next step. You got to advance yourself. Amen. What if Suzanne hadn't run out of coffee beans, she'd be in the same shape as she was today. Let me tell you, I do uh, a lot of funerals, and one of the 
common struggles with families is they have a lot of regrets. In my opinion, too many. Too many people are going to the wayside because they've done this. I don't need anybody in my I'm good. I've got everything I need. I'll just come here, Pastor Todd, on Sunday. I'll hear a few songs. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to ask for help. We got to get beyond that, amen, as a church. If you would, please stand with me. You know what? I needed to hear this tonight. You just happen to be here. I needed to hear this. Maybe you are feeling a little isolated. Oh, you're here. We can see you. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you come down or, or whatever. I, I just want you to grasp what happened to Suzanne and understand that she really didn't need the ladies. The ladies needed her. Guess what? We need you. So if you're feeling a little empty, if you're feeling a little distant, even from God, you know what? It's okay to be honest. And say, Lord, I'm ready tonight to unforget what I've forgotten. I'm ready to erase the slate. I'm ready to, to make my spiritual journey public. I'm, I'm ready to, to, to maybe take the next step of getting involved, maybe doing something here at church, maybe being part of something, life group. Maybe coming to the Ladies XL would be really out of your comfort zone. Can I encourage you just to come? If you would, just bow your head with me as we pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that if, if there is someone here tonight that is battling and struggling with this selfie Christianity, like I don't need anybody Laodicean approach. Lord, that each, each one would take heart to what you said tonight maybe it was a scripture maybe it was a point maybe it was a word maybe it was a phrase maybe it was a song help them Lord to break out to break free and to walk that path of victorious light, uh, uh, light life tonight in Jesus name we pray and everybody said Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Well, listen, I just want to encourage you to uh, maybe stick around and shake a hand. Since we are the hugginest, is hugging, hugginest, hugginest, is that the right word? We are the huggiest, huggiest, right, Stuart? We are the huggiest church in town. Maybe give a hug. Maybe a high five. Maybe, maybe. Hi, my name is Beth. What's your name? Father, I pray your protection over your, your people tonight. Give them 
the ability to break free from selfie Christianity. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. God bless.